Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire, Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 112, and today I'll be talking about Too Short to Ride. I'm GC13, and this... Oh, oh, is this one of my favorite episodes of the Steven Nuke. I mean, it has... it has everything I always wanted. It has Peridot, it has Beach City, it has fun. What more could I have ever asked for? Actually, I do know what I could have asked for. I know what I did ask for. Uh, Long, long ago, almost a year ago, actually, Sophia and I recorded an episode, episode 60, talking about some then-unaired titles, and we got a lot wrong, although we got hit the diamond more or less right. I actually actually got got it right about the Crystal Gems playing baseball against the homeworld, even. But back to Too Short to Ride. I was, I was certain this would be an Alexandrite episode. Uh, we start talking about Too Short to Ride around 14 minutes and 48 seconds into the episode, but I was certain this would be an Alexandrite episode because of the line from Fusion Cuisine where Stephen said that Alexandrite and Greg met on a roller coaster and Alexandrite was too tall to ride, so I... I was sure that Too Short to Ride had to be based off of that, or at the very least it had to be about Steven and Connie fusing so that they could go on a ride. Now it turns out that the question was really more about shape-shifting and Peridot's inability to do that, but uh, Sophia was right to say that, you know, Peridot, new cast member, short, but as she also pointed out, everybody except Pearl is short, and Garnet, Garnet doesn't count because Ruby and Sapphire are short. They are too short to ride. They got some growing to do. So, you know, I was, I was kind of disappointed. No Alexandre, but I got Peridot, so that's okay. I'm, I am completely fine with what we ended up getting. And I mean, oh boy, did we get a perfectly adorable Peridot, especially right at the beginning of the episode. Steven just puts the bow on her. Uh, she's sitting there staring at the screen. Why was this documented and then she starts you know being really really happy about the idea of having technology at her fingertips again and then her wonderful shing 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 and pose as she used the velcro or interlocking fabric strips from steven's old shoes to create a wristband for her little ipad her tablet computer and one thing i thought was kind of funny about the beginning of the episode going into the middle was kind of the obsession with what shape things are. Like, oh boy, you got me a rectangle. You look like a square. Um, It's a rectangle, and then your head looks like a triangle. Just, you know, lots of of discussion about shapes. Uh, I'm not sure if that was intended or not, but hey, it was pretty funny. So Amethyst was surprisingly laid back at the beginning of the episode. I, I guess I guess she learned her lesson from too far that maybe it's not so fun to make fun of people. And so she's just being very chill. Of course, this is also a setup for how she is later in the episode. But So the Shorty Squad, without its name yet, rolls out to Funland. And again, I just, I just can't not point out the amazing uh, messed up perspective sign that should have its poles showing that the sign goes over the boardwalk, but because the poles are not drawn, the sign is, like, completely on one side of the boardwalk, and it just looks very strange. I mean, I I guess theoretically that is something that they could touch up for 
future airings of the episode, maybe, but, you know, I think realistically the best we can really hope for on that is that later trips to Funland don't have that error. I I, I did think it was very, very interesting. Peridot's little rant about not needing to grow because her height was indicative of her rarity and importance. I mean, I guess it's just that we never really imagined Peridot's as being all that important, although again, like with sapphires, you know, they, they can be quite rare despite not having very great status. I mean, she is a little bit taller than than Amethyst, who is herself the tallest of the non-pearl gems. So, I don't know, maybe maybe they do have a slightly elevated status due to their technical abilities, although, again, not high enough for it to be normal for her to own a pearl. I guess you do kind of have to be the one of the upper crusts, as we'll get to much later when we start talking about the two-parter bismuth. Just very interesting, you know, Peridot clearly thinks that she has some jealousy allowed to her about her height and the status that that implies. So Peridot doesn't shapeshift, um, Amethyst shapeshifts into a normal-looking larger form, whereas Steven simply makes his legs grow and they both march up onto the roller coaster. Mr. Smiley just looks at them and you can almost imagine him thinking to himself, Huh, seems legit. I I thought that was very amusing. Mostly, I just have to say poor Peridot, though. Um, not, not, not really having much fun at Funland. I don't know why she wasn't able to enjoy the House of Mirrors. I mean, I guess Steven and Amethyst uh, making excessive use of shape-shifting. Oddly enough, it looked like they were shape-shifting so that they looked normal despite the alteration of the Funhouse Mirror and... I, I guess Peridot just didn't appreciate uh, all, all the reminders of shapeshifting, because even looking at herself in the mirror, she got that big old quartz body shape in the in the mirror she was looking at. So, again, that's just reminding her of something she can't do, perhaps. But then she really wants to really wants to get the alien toy. By the way, um, everybody know everybody noticed. Or at least I noticed, and I know lots of people have pointed out, the alien with the big old pink belly button, Steven style. I mean, that can't be an accident, can it be? I'm guessing that was five rings to win. I don't know if they actually give a listing. Of course, we know the little the little sister is one, and the big alien with the bow tie is, five, or is ten. Not five, ten. So um, that just makes me assume that the middle-sized alien is five. Who knows? So there is one mysterious part for me about this episode right here. Did Amethyst know that Onion was trying to set the roller coaster on fire when she when she made that remark? Because he conveniently was, and so, you know, statistically speaking, she had to have known. But, you know, how could she have noticed when she's looking at Mr. Smiley, but my Mr. Smiley did not notice? I mean, it, it just boggles the mind, but I will say this. Good old Onion, that was A, very funny, and then B, it gave us such a wonderful line from Mr. Smiley that he is still paying off the last lawsuit. It's hilarious. I mean, just all of Mr. Smiley is hilarious today. I mean, everybody loved the I haven't seen a bed in six days line. It was It was great, so just... You know, there's gonna there's gonna be some disliking of Mr. Smiley soon, 
But right now, I do have to say, appreciation for at least how hard Mr. Smiley works at his job. But so Amethyst cheats and tells Peridot that they're lying. And so Peridot decides to chime in with a saying that she does not steal Stephen's clothes when he's not looking. And I mean, that that's that's pretty funny by itself. I don't even really need to point out how funny that is. But uh, of course, then uh, then is not too, too long before we get to our next quip. Uh, find cute roommates in your area. And then I'm all set. Thanks. Uh, Peridot and Lapis. I mean, most people would agree that Lapis is cute, right? I mean, I, I can't think of any of the, I can't think of any of the main cast gems that you could really say aren't cute. They're all cute, especially the rubies. The rubies are totally adorbs. You know, our ruby, especially just because, I mean, you saw hit the diamond, right? I mean, <sighs> but I am getting myself off, off track. We have actually a very mature moment from Amethyst. Rather than taking the bait when Peridot insults shape-shifting, calling it an insult to her intended form, she just, <sighs> what's the real problem with shape-shifting? And then we get, you know, Peridot gives her a little story about not being able to shape-shift, and, you know, Steven's like, hey, you know, we'll help you out, and they get into the, get into the training sequence. I love the song "Get Loose." Glad they glad glad that that one got posted to the SoundCloud account, and Stephen having to immediately run to the ocean to get rid of his cat finger. I'm some kind of surprised he was actually willing to make the cat finger, but he is has much better control of his tongue. He can lick his elbow just like Smoky Quartz. And then they then they decide to manually activate Peridot's powers, and that's a that's that's classic cartoon gag. I, I think I heard something crack. Oh, that's her powers. That's her power activating. All while Peridot is saying ow uh, more and more frequently. Put me down. Put me down now. Then we get the story from Peridot about the resource shortage on Homeworld. You know, resources are dwindling. They can't make gems like they used to. And so Era 2 Peridots do not have powers. You know, that would be Peridot's created after the Rebellion. Now, I want to kind of hold off on talking about the resource shortage later. I'm going to go a little bit more in-depth about that, because, you know, this is, this is the big lore question of the episodes. That's kind of my wheelhouse. You know, I'm the lore guy. Am Amethyst, being very mature, goes into a little inspirational speech almost to Peridot that Peridot is completely not listening to. And although it kind of... Some people say that it doesn't really match with her later obsession with defeating Jasper. I I think they're two pretty different issues. Although people are right to point out that both of them are an obsession with how weak she is. Peridot's concerned about being weak in a way that doesn't really matter. Amethyst is concerned about being weak in a way that makes her unable to protect her friends. So I, I think it's kind of apples and oranges. You know, they're both fruits, but they're very different fruits, if, if you catch the metaphor. So then she, she takes Peridot's tablet and tries to throw it into the ocean, but Peridot discovers that she does have powers, and Stephen is somehow able to immediately tell, oh, it's not just basic levitation she has, it's metal powers she has. Now, I'm assuming that the reason Stephen was able to magically know is because, you know, that way we, the audience, know. Um, you, you know, otherwise we would have been wondering for quite some time, I, I guess until the next Peridot episode, about 
I, I guess we just would have been assuming, actually, that she had basic telekinetic powers. So Steven's like, nope, 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 it's metal powers. I don't think that they'll make any lore point about how he was able to know. So I'm just going to chop that one up to narrative convenience, or not even narrative convenience, like meta convenience, strictly for the fans. And Peridot immediately puts puts her new metal powers to work, punishing Mr. Smiley for investing in the good rings with the metal reinforcement in the center. And she scams the scammer. And again, if, if you guys have seen Future Boy Zoltron that comes up much later than this, I mean, I, I don't... I love Mr. Smiley, but I got no sympathy for him. None whatsoever. You deserve it. They hustled him. They hustled the hustler. But anyway, on to, on to the resource shortage. So again, we, we know that the dis the distinction between Era 1 and Era 2 happens sometime during the Crystal Gem Rebellion on Earth. It might be the moment that Pink Diamond is killed by Rose Quartz, or it might be the start or end of the Rebellion in general. I would, I would kind of be inclined to assume that it's the shattering of Pink Diamond, but kind of seems to be the biggest event. So I'm, let's just say it's the shattering of Pink Diamond. And after after that moment, we have the supposed resource shortage that makes it so that they can't make gems with powers. But again, the same episode we find out about this resource shortage that supposedly means that new gems don't have powers, we find that a gem has powers. So uh, theoretically, Peridot could just be better made than the others, just like Jasper is the ultimate Jasper. Peridot might be a particularly well-made Era 2 Peridot, who just so happens to have powers that she wasn't aware of. But kind of the assumption I've been operating under is a little bit deeper than that, because we already know that Homeworld is a very, very regimented place. I mean, heck, uh, later on when we were finally talking about Earthlings, Jasper will give a wonderful speech about how, how incredibly regimented it is. But, you know, you have the diamonds on top, the Great Diamond Authority ruling everything. And as happened in the Rebellion, one of them died, and in fact, White Diamond and Blue Diamond are, narratively, still missing in action. So, Earth claimed at least one diamond, and quite possibly three of them. We, we just don't know. And lots of Rose Quartz's gems, lots of her rebels, were, you know, lower-class gems. You know, we will find out later in Bismuth that Bismuth, you know, a mere builder, and apparently they did recruit... Some Quartzes, because she said they could always use another Amethyst, so that implies that Quartzes were present but rare. So uh, we, we can assume that the Crystal Gems probably had a disproportionate amount of lower-class gems in them. And what better way to control your weaker members of society than to not let them know how strong they are? Now, in Peridot's case, they augmented her with technology because they need her to be useful to them. But that technology is something that can be taken away from her. You can't take away metal powers unless she doesn't know she has them, in which case, oh well. And, uh, you know, may I, as an aside, um, go, go and say again that the fact that they did not simply design a new gem without the powers, again, implies that the diamonds are either not the creators of the gems, you know, all the all the gem designs would be designed by someone other than the diamonds, or if the diamonds do know enough about gems to create them, 
they still understand them imperfectly, and there are some things that they just cannot edit out of there. Like the fact that even pearls can summon weapons that are innate to themselves. You know, per pearls are very low on the social hierarchy, and the gems are all about social hierarchy, so if the, like, last gem you'd expect to be fighting can summon a weapon, then that is just something innate to all gems, and the diamonds have no idea how to take that out. Same thing with Peridot having metal powers, even though she's not supposed to. You know, all this, all this, uh, all these implications about the diamonds do makes me wonder if we're gonna learn more about the origin of the gems in a later episode. Not, not nothing explicit, just, just further hits. I, I hope, but I'm kind of doubtful. But I can dream, right? But that, that, that's basically what I think. I don't think that they would introduce the concept of the resource shortage and then immediately show us evidence that, you know, there is no resource shortage, or at least something that can be interpreted that way. Unless they're going to at least do something with that. I think that more is going to be made of the Diamond Authority's drive to, you know, increase control after a rebellion um, fueled largely by weaker gems shattered a diamond, basically, at least one. But that's largely all I wanted to say. Again, I'm, I'm sad there's no Alexandrite. We don't get to see too much of Alexandrite, although after, after seeing Super Watermelon Island, I... I am, I'm satisfied. You know, we got to see her fight. Very satisfying fight, in fact. So, I am satisfied. But it would have been fun to see something. Something with Alexandrite. Maybe we'll get an Opal's Day Off episode later. Something based off of the short that was in one of the comics. Where Steven and Opal go for training at Funland. Um, playing on the various games. That would be nice. But, yeah. That's it for me. Uh, join us next week. Hopefully there will be more than one person talking about the new Lars. Until then, I'm GC13. See you then. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.